I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to the official England podcast. It's been over 24 hours since England cemented themselves as the Group D winners after a 1-0 victory over the Czech Republic at Wembley. England's round of 16 opponents are now confirmed. They will be taking on Germany in a historic clash at Wembley on Tuesday the 29th of June at 5 o'clock. Yes, you heard me right. It is England against Germany at Wembley and I for one cannot wait for that. I'm Adam Smith here to bring you all the updated Three Lines news and as ever we have a stacked show featuring a range of excellent guests. Here's what's coming up. We'll be looking back and giving you all the reaction to Tuesday's win. We'll hear from Man of the Match, Bukayo Saka, who was Josh Denzel's guest in the Lions' Den. Even me, I was buzzing, you know, and I could just wanted to sprint and celebrate exactly <laughs> the way he did. Josh Denzel himself will be joining us to give us all the insight from within camp. It's just a nice feeling with this group of, of players. Harry Maguire jumped into the diary room off the back of his return to the side. If, we, if we're going to be successful in this tournament, we need to keep clean sheets from now. And I spoke exclusively to England's assistant manager, Steve Holland. We're in better shape at this moment in time, you know, this, this afternoon as I speak, than probably we've been at any other point since the first day. You're listening to the official England podcast. On Tuesday, England confirmed themselves as Group D winners with a victory over the Czech Republic, finishing above Croatia, the Czechs and Scotland. England's knockout stage campaign begins on Tuesday the 29th of June at Wembley. This is the first time England have won their group in a European Championship since that iconic Euro 96. It was once again Raheem Sterling who got the only goal in another 1-0 win for the three Lions. There were four changes to Gareth Southgate starting 11. Walker, Maguire, Grealish and Saka all coming into the fold and didn't they all play well? One of the players who returned on Tuesday night was of course Harry Maguire and he jumped into the England diary room yesterday. Yeah, clean sheets are big parts of tournaments. We know that if, we, if we're going to be successful in this tournament we need to keep clean sheets from now. Um, to the final, especially in these knockout games. So um, it's not just a, the, the defence and the goalkeeper, it's a, it's a collective effort. And, and the forward lads, you've seen the, the shift Harry put in uh, at the top end of the pitch um, against Czech Republic. So, like I say, it's, it's a collective effort, it's a, it's a unit, it's a base. Um, we have match winners in our team. So, yeah, of course, me, Stonesy, Pickers. Whenever we keep clean sheets, it's a, it's a great feeling for ourselves. The first objective was to, to win the group, and we've, we've managed to do that with seven points, like I've said. So 
it's knockout stages now. We need to maintain our focus, um, stay solid, stay from a great foundation in terms of trying to keep clean sheets, but also improve. We've got a, a week now to, to work on things, what we need to improve on, what we need to improve on, what we've done in the three games in the, in the group. Um, but yeah, it's knockout football. It's, it's about being solid, been, been a solid base and, and big moments, taking the big moments in games and um, big moments winning football matches. And we have lots of players who can produce that. So, like I say, it's one that we're looking forward to. Are you looking forward to it? Yeah, of course. This is why we play football. We, we want to play in these biggest games possible uh, with the most pressure. Um, and yeah, the, 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 the lads are excited. Um, I'm sure there'll be a few nerves come, come the game, but only what we'll be doing is we'll, we'll be doing our best to, to win the football match and, and, and get the victory for our country. 19-year-old Bukayo Saka was awarded star of the match against Czech Republic. What an incredible performance it was from the young Arsenal winger playing a vital role in our winning goal. He joined Josh Denzel in the Lions' den yesterday and here's what they had to say. No, it was since last night um, after the game I didn't get to go on my phone because I had to do interviews and I had um, anti-doping, so I had to obviously do the pee and then they took my blood, so when I got back, my phone was just booming. So I didn't know where to start with replying to the messages. Any 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 messages from any people that you were like, oh, I didn't even know they had my number. They didn't even... <laughs> no, if someone, you know, when someone doesn't have my number and I don't have them saved, I don't really reply to them unless they leave their name because... I don't know who it is. Or, any any interesting you know I mean? people that, that text you, like, you know, people like, we know you and Wright are close, you know, yeah. somebody's, some of the Arsenal guys, some people. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people texting me. Um, I've been speaking to Freddie Lundberg as well today. Okay. Um, I don't know, I've, I've seen a lot of tweets, messages and stuff yeah. like that, but I haven't got my, like, got my head around everything and sat down and read everything, you know. For so. sure, I mean, we're just... Not even 24 hours from, on from from the game, but mm. you're what second youngest in the squad. What was the experience like playing at Wembley? It was amazing. I think it was probably one of the best moments of my career and in my life. You know, to obviously step out on the Wembley pitch. You know, of course, growing up around the area and you know just driving past it every time I'm going to training as a kid. You know, sometimes I'm driving past and England is playing and you can see the the arches yeah. lit up and stuff like that. So. For now, me to be in the stadium and my family who have been on this journey with me were there with me to, to share this moment with me. It was a very special night last night. When, when did you find out you were starting and were you surprised? Because I know for a fact that everyone around here has only good things to say about you. So yeah. I guess internally it wasn't a surprise, but were you a little bit like, oh, you know, this is my time now? Um, I think in tournaments, you know, it's about um, opportunity. Obviously, for me, there's some players ahead of me, you know, some top world-class wingers here. So it's gonna, always going to be difficult for me to get into the team from the onset. But, you know, I think we'd already qualified and, you know, I was just waiting and training really hard so that if I get my opportunity, I'll be ready. And, yeah, I tried to take it yesterday and give my all. I think took it. Is, I mean, you definitely did that. Mm. It was your move that started off the, the attack that, that we scored from. I guess it was the, the assist, the assist. Even me, I was buzzing, you know, and I could just wanted to sprint and celebrate exactly <laughs> the way he did. And I think it's the same around the country, you know, the, the people really support us. And, yeah, it's nice to see to see people so happy. Talk, talk me through what happened, because the camera cut to you and you had your shirt off. And you, <laughs> I don't know what was going on, the deflection no, of the muscles. No, hey, I was roasted because I, <laughs> I was so hot and I had my thermal on. 
I think before that, um, H went down and I was like, oh, this is the time to take my thermal off. But <laughs> what if someone does a quick free kick and I'm running with my shirt off? So when we scored, I just took it off quickly and, yeah, the camera was on me, so it looked a bit funny. I had, a couple of my boys sent me pictures yesterday, so I was just laughing at it. Your family were, were in the stadium, right? Mm-hmm. How good was it to, to, to not just come on, but to perform like that? Is They must be so proud of you. Yeah, I'm... I think they're really proud of me. I spoke to them last night, just kept telling me, well done, well done, we're proud of you. You know, so I think, of course, being able to see them after would have been the perfect night, but just having them in the stadium alone is, is good enough for me. So it was really nice for them to be there and share that moment with me. Next up on the podcast, he is quite simply the Shakademus to my pliers and here to tease me with all the insight from the England camp, it is Josh Denzel. Josh, how are you doing? I'm fantastic, man. I feel good. Yesterday was a good day. Not only is it my birthday, we've got three points, know. so I'm happy. And you like the, the intro gag, bit of a niche one, but fans of yeah. the reggae scene in the 90s, I think will love <laughs> it. No, <laughs> Uh, mate, first thing I wanted to say before we talk about anything, it was your 30th birthday yesterday, so mm-hmm. many happy returns on behalf of everyone here on the Official England podcast. Did you have a good day? I imagine you did. The result helped. I had a, I had a fantastic day. I woke up, a few presents. I got some chocolate. We don't have any chocolate here at SGB, right. obviously. They try, I think they try and keep it away from the players. So um, my missus ended up sending me a massive box of oh. uh, chocolates. Uh, which I've, I've basically destroyed. So uh, I'm going to have to get them, to, get them to go again. But I played football, uh, watched the England game, nice. had a few beers. It was fantastic. Yeah, I haven't spoken to you since the game, actually. So another big result for England. Um, what did you make of it, mate? Big win, wasn't it? Do you know what? It was It was fantastic Like to see. It was, it's a massive win. I think it's a win that we needed after the, the Scotland game. I thought that was probably an undue massive reaction whereas like I think here at least it was it was calm as they knew what to do and it was nice to be able to prove to, to everyone that yeah this is this this is the England that we know and love that this we, we play football play with a handbrake off but of course you had Bakayo Saka on lines then uh, what a performance he, he must be buzzing by the way yeah he's absolutely buzzing I remember look, look, I, I, I was here when he had his first camp I did a um uh, I, I did a uh, like an introduction to camp I remember that. and he was yeah. yeah and he was like first impressions and he was like I was surprised that kind of the players knew who I was and I was like wow. Bakayo like you are the guy mate and then he's absolutely proved it there and yeah. like he, he he's an example we spoke a little bit about like players playing free without pressure without without any weight on their shoulders and he proved that yesterday he was such a positive force and of course, a lot. Of, you mentioned positives there. A lot of positives, weren't there? You've got um, Grealish playing very well as well. Maguire as well got his first start. Jordan Henderson came on back to fitness. Another clean sheet. There are a lot of reasons for England to be positive, aren't there? Massive reasons. Like we, we I think we've got a fully fit squad now. Mm. Apart from obviously we have got you know Chile and Chile and Mace obviously have to isolate, but it, it looks positive. It looks like there's a gel and 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 a kind of a. It's just a nice feeling with this group of, of players, and we're looking every single game. We're getting better and better, and we can quickly. Do you know what I mean? Like if if we didn't play as well against Scotland, we can quickly bounce back from that, mm. and that's the mentality here. And it's it's good, but all of our players are finding form at the right time. Good to hear. And of course, you are our eyes and ears at St George's Park. So what's been going on today? The players are back now at SGP following that brief stay at Spurs Lodge. So tell us what's been going on. Yeah, so the players players came back late, so they got back in about two o'clock last night. Talking to Bakaya, and he said he, he could, it's hard for the players to sleep after games. So many players say that to me. Yeah, because well. yeah. of the adrenaline. adrenaline so he yeah. said they all kind of went to bed at five o'clock and woke up at eleven. And the boys, it's a, it's a kind of a rest day today. Yeah. So uh, there's, there's there's no training, and it's, it's it's like all right, cool. We'll get the body back to a hundred percent, and then we'll we'll, we'll go out and, and tomorrow it all kicks off again a hundred percent. But they look they look good. They look happy. They're strolling around the uh, the place in in 
supposedly the, the world's comfiest slippers, which are the hotel slippers here at St. George's <laughs> Park. I, I, I don't know if that's true, but they all swear by it. <laughs> I love this is the insight we want slippers mate exactly that fantasy football mate I haven't actually checked mine today but you are, you are creeping up a little bit are you, are you uh, quietly confident yeah nine, 93 points at the moment I, I forgot to change um, a few players so unfortunately I've still got Mount in my team which is not the smartest decision ever so I've got to go and change that but 93 it's, it's not it's not too bad as an overall score the, the, the Spain the Spanish team still, I, I don't know why I haven't changed that but the Spanish team is not it's not done me any favours and I'll I'll be basically picking off the Belgian team, I think. Do you know what? Spain has really upset you this tournament, hasn't it? Because you've had so many Spanish players. But do you know what I liked about your answers? That it was an answer that a lot of people can relate to. I forgot to change my yeah. team. So many have <laughs> said that. Um, just finally, remind us about Lions then. So, Bakayo Saka, you, you've done today. People can still watch that, of course. Uh, what's coming up next? Up next, we've got the main man. The goal scorer. We got Raz. We got Raheem Sterling's going to be on the show, which which will be nice. We got Bakayo and and. Uh, this on now I guess and then you've got Raz coming up so that should be a wicked show and then after that we might have a certain Mr Jack Grealish oh wow okay so loads of reasons to get onto Twitch onto YouTube to watch Lions Den and of course you'll be back on the podcast like you always are uh, tomorrow we'll be looking ahead uh, to the next game uh, Josh I'll let you crack on get back to life in St George's Park thanks as always for joining us mate appreciate you mate always ciao Here on the Official England Podcast, we pride ourselves on opening that secret little window into the England camp for you to enjoy. And this episode is no different. Yesterday, I had the pleasure to speak exclusively to England's assistant manager, Steve Holland, who gave us a fascinating insight into his role and everything that's been going on in training. I'm very pleased to say joining me on the official England podcast now is the assistant manager, Steve Holland. Steve, I know that you're a very busy man, so thank you very much for your time. Uh, it is the day after the Czech Republic game, of course. So talk us through what the squad have been up to today. Uh, the, the first and only, really, day off that they've had. Wow. Um, we, uh, in, in terms of organisation from the start, 
you know, we we had the two games in, in Middlesbrough that we were preparing 50% of the squad for really, and then obviously as the as the group increased when uh, the Champions League and the Europa League finals concluded, um, you know, the next step then was you know, four five day lead into Croatia really. Uh, since then, it's been quite you know chaotic preparing for the the three games. We spent the last two or three days down at Spurs Lodge, so uh, today is the first opportunity really that we've had to breathe since then. We have a a six day lead now. We know into the round of sixteen game, so uh, just an opportunity today for everybody just to wind down a little bit really, and then then we pick up again tomorrow. Yes, yeah, so the games come thick and fast, don't they, in tournament football, as we know. There's so much that I wanted to talk about with you with regards to the players, training and stuff. Before we do that, I think a lot of our listeners would like to get an insight into your role as England's assistant manager and, and, and what that involves, really. Yeah, I um, I met, met Gareth about eight years ago when I was working at Chelsea and um, I had been involved with him for, what will that be, three, three years with the under-21s. Um, and then for the duration, full time, um, since Gareth was appoint- was appointed as the England head coach, um, you know, three four years ago now. So it's uh, it's been an enjoyable relationship over the seven years. At the start, as I say, that was part time with me also working at Chelsea. Um, more recently, full time. Um, we. Yeah, I think we have a we have a good working relationship where we both know each other's strengths and weaknesses, and um, basically, my, you know, my responsibilities are to put the the the, the training plans together um, for the squad, and uh, you know, to de- to deliver a large percentage of that with the rest of the coaching staff. Um, obviously, during uh, the the more normal part of the year, not tournaments. There's a you know a lot of watching players and keeping across you know the the, the lads that we know and of course the, the ones that are emerging all the time, so that's a big part of the role normally as well. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that, that's how it works. And in terms of preparing the sessions, there, how, how long do you, do you spend on that? And is that something that's done the night before, the day of? Because obviously, like you alluded to earlier, th- th- there's so much that goes into tournament football, isn't there? So I imagine that that you're constantly busy during a tournament. Yeah, it's. Um, it's a good question because it it does take some time and uh, particularly when you're managing you know, a group now of 26, 23 outfield players and you know, three goalkeepers. Yeah. Normally it's 23, 20 outfield players and three goalkeepers. So in, in basic terms, if everybody's fit, you've got you know you've got 10 outfield players against 10 with three goalkeepers, which is most coaches would tell you is the perfect number. Yeah. Uh, for the tactical transfer as well as the you know the, the technical aspect of the work, having the extra three players for all coaches, I'm sure in this tournament has been a little bit of a conundrum. Of when you have yeah. the the possibility of having everybody available, because sometimes you know you are working specifically in eleven v eleven situations, and it 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 means having to you know um, rotate two or three players, which is not not the ideal scenario. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's something that I hadn't even thought of with regards to preparing sessions. Uh, you mentioned Gareth as well there. Um, over seven years you've been with Gareth now, and I found a lovely quote from him saying, in my view, Steve Holland is a legend. He's the most experienced coach in the country. And he goes on to talk about just how much he enjoys working with you. It does seem from the outside that you two have a, a particularly strong working relationship. How much time do you spend with him, would you say, sort of on a daily basis? I, th- I think you know, we're, 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 we, we've had a, a good relationship where I think we understand each other well. And so... There is a need to communicate, 
to a point, but there is also I think because we know how each other think, you can uh, you know you can trust in uh, in both of us to you know sort of focus on our, our own areas without without having to communicate every two minutes to check that you know we're on the same page. We we, uh, we have a, a good way of working I think where Gareth basically entrusts me to organise the the training schedules. Um, and share that and discuss that with the the rest of the coaching staff. Um, nothing happens without him overseeing you know, overseeing it and having the final say. So it's just a case of say putting together the plans, um, running that by the boss, and then getting on with uh, you know the the content and the delivery of the work. Really, has your role changed um, quite dramatically over the years, Steve? Maybe to say ten years ago, is there a lot more that goes into from from a coaching and a managing perspective for you and Gareth and the rest of the staff? Is there more in terms of emotional support and things that you have to do off the pitch as well as on the pitch with regards to, as an example, in this squad, a lot of very young players making their tournament debut? Yeah, I think there's you know three or four aspects to that. One is the tactical aspect where there's what we're trying to do and how that needs to work to get the best out of the players that we have, how that then balances with the opposition's strengths and weaknesses. And, um, you know, with every game that's different for Croatia, that's different to Scotland, to Czech Republic. So every game provides its own challenge in terms of a, you know, a, a tactical aspect of, tra- of the training. The, the technical aspect then can be sometimes very individual, sometimes more unit-based. So, for example, you know we've played with a back four in the three matches so far. Um, you know we have had constant communication with all of the defenders. Not just a, you know we're not just preparing a team. We're preparing a squad. We have five substitutes, so you know we we can finish with two defenders and the back four different to how we started. That that's realistic. So it's no good just preparing a team. It's uh, preparing everybody so that they're ready. I mean, we haven't conceded a goal yet in three games, but we have had we've had Trippier and Walker. We had James and Shaw. Yeah. We had Shaw and Walker. We've had Mings and Stones. Now we've had Stones and Maguire. So that that's the other aspect to it. Uh, individual feedback is part of that. Spending time with individuals on you know their clips from the games or picking out bits in training. Then there's the physical aspect, which is, you know, we have a periodization of training, which basically means that, you know, we prepare the players physically the best we possibly can to, um, you know, over a three or four day period to make sure that we deliver the level of intensity and distance covered that is required in the games, in the training. So the players physically are capable in the games, but also coming off them at the right moment so that there's freshness. And of course, that's an ever changing beast when you get an accumulation of games because um, you know the fatigue aspect increases the time to train decreases normally it's three games three days you know before a game which it will be from the round of well from the quarter final in um, and then as you rightly say there's the you know there's the emotional aspect the man management aspect the psychological aspect of trying to keep everybody um, in a good place so that when their moment does arrive they're ready to take it that's a huge challenge normally uh, you you pick a team from a squad of 26 you please 11 you mm. disappoint 15 um, we have three we can't even pick you know to be on the bench yeah, on the squad, so three yeah. in the stand so that's a you know a, a, a different challenge for every game and then of course um, although uh, we have five substitutes 
It's um, you know there are those that get on, there are those that don't get on, and it's mm. it's it's managing that group so that they all feel you know valued and important, so that they're you know they're ready when required. So several different aspects to it, um, but a but a big challenge for you know not just myself of course, but for the whole of the management team um, led by Gareth. It brings me nicely on to my next question, actually, because I wanted to ask you about um, the management of the group, which you touched upon there. That must be something you, you're very pleased with, because England have rotated or seems to be rotated a, a lot of positions very well t- to good effect. So is, is that is that a key part of it, using the whole squad, keeping the rotation going and ultimately keeping the squad happy? Because as you alluded to, there's 26 players going into 11 positions. Yeah, I, th- I think there's two aspects to that. Um, one is that we have uh, we have really good depth probably greater depth than we've had in the past, yeah. certainly in, in particular positions. I mean, if I highlighted the, the offensive positions, clearly, um, we have good depth. Mm. We have players where there's not a lot between them. And uh, therefore, the opportunity to refresh when the, you know, the fatigue starts in games in that last half an hour mm. of, uh, of matches is, uh, you know, can be a strength in our case because, I say, the, the level between... The players that start, the players that don't start, is some would argue non-existent, mm. uh, but certainly very very little. The second part of that is um, really just having a, a comprehension of what it takes to win, and um, you know we have, and we do with the various different departments at the FA, analyse what it takes to win. Uh, we've looked at Portugal, we've looked at France, the last two major tournament winners, for example. Uh, you know it's over 50 years since we reached a final, yeah. so. It's important we do learn from others as to how they did it. Uh, I'm not saying that you you copy and paste because every nation is different, every scenario is different. You have to utilise your own independent strengths and weaknesses. But uh, it is six or seven matches, seven matches in a relatively short period of time. Games can go to extra time. We are playing in June, so the heat in at least some of the games is a factor. Yeah. Travel, etc. So... Um, trying to trying to retain freshness certainly amongst your key players that you know will in the end decide the bigger matches later in the tournament is has been perhaps more of a factor with us in terms of our awareness than it has been in previous tournaments. I think in Russia we stuck with a fairly consistent group. We felt at that time that was the the right way to go off the back of the Euros in 2016. Um, but we have a you know a different a different set of cards now and, and have uh, perhaps viewed that a little bit differently. It's interesting to hear that. It's so fascinating to hear just how much attention to detail goes into it. So with that said, uh, what have you made of England's uh, performance so far? You must be very happy, of course. Top of the group, not conceded a goal. Uh, how do you analyse how England have been tactically? Yeah, mixed. I think um, I think uh, very happy to win the group. Yeah, that was the objective. I know that that represents a. The likelihood of a, of a you know very high level challenge in the round of 16, I would would have hoped that have been a better and a more pleasant reward for winning the group than playing what what is likely to be the options that we have. Yeah. But to win the group is uh, is the first objective. We're happy with that. Um, I think we we were happy with the Croatia game in terms of three of the best midfield players in Europe. You know Brozovic, uh, Modric. Um, Kovacic, uh, three super players that if, if you don't get your organisation correct you, you can have all sorts of problems getting a foothold in the game so we were happy with that we um, we then in the Scotland game weren't so happy 
the, our level of performance wasn't what we'd hoped for, um, for a variety of reasons. So we we looked long and hard at that. We introduced one or two different things tactically with the ball that we were happy with yesterday. Um, the the Czech Republic game we felt was a step in the right direction, particularly the first half. So you know, despite really having the confusion of you know we're walking onto the training pitch the day before the Czech Republic and there's noise about the you know the the, the covid uh, fallout yeah. and the impact that that might have had on two players who were training to prepare for the game mm. after the training session the docs walking across the pitch which is always a sign for concern when the docs walking across the pitch mm. at the end of the game and uh, you know it became clear that you know, these lads weren't going to be able to play and then a bit of a rethink and a reshuffle and I've got to say the players adapted to all of that really well um, and uh, you know the level of performance in the Czech Republic game was good so I think mixed we um, we haven't conceded a goal yet which is important and good uh, we haven't created as many chances as we would have liked that's something that we're working on continuously so yeah I think uh, we can be fairly content with with uh, where we are so far, but with room for improvement. And have you found this has been quite quite challenging in, in certain aspects, given the fact that so many players were involved in those European Cup finals prior to it? You've got the COVID restrictions as well. Have there been a lot of challenges going into this tournament, would you say? Yeah, pre, pre-Russia, four and a half weeks with all 20 players, basically. Trent Alexander-Arnold and Jordan Henderson came a couple of days late because they played the Champions League final, but only a couple of days late. Nations League semi-final, we had the Champions League final two days before, Tottenham-Liverpool, nine players I think it was, out of the squad, so a complete disaster really, in terms of our prep anyway. You know, emotionally it's such a huge game that that the baggage it brings in, it's not as if you can just applaud the winners and give them a cake and (laughs) life is good like (laughs) Holland could do with... uh, you know Van Dijk and Wijnaldum. Yeah. We had both sides of that. You yeah, know, we're congratulating yeah. four and five are walking in with their chins on the floor. Yeah. So we've had similar to that this time. In that, you know, compared to Russia, where we were, you know, a good four and a half weeks of, of prep with the whole squad. Really, we've only been, uh, you know, five five six days with the whole squad together, um, leading into the Croatia game. So a completely different set of circumstances, more challenging, but. You know we are we are in a, a year of uh, you know of, of strange challenges yeah. and the need to adapt is something that we've all you know we've all had to do whether we're in football or in in normal life. So was it perfect? No, but it's the you know it's the the set of cards we have and we've just had to find a way around things. I would probably argue that we're in better shape at this moment in time. You know this this afternoon as I speak than probably we've been at any other point since the first day. You know leading into the uh, the two games at the Riverside. That's great to hear. And I wanted to ask you about preparations for the next game. It's worth pointing out that at this minute, at the time of recording, we don't know who England are going to play and it could be one of four teams. So do you prepare? Do you think about all four options at this stage or is it a case of waiting to know who England play and, and you analyse the games then with a fine-tooth comb? No, I think um, we're we're always, uh, you know, we're, we're aware that there is a structure to the qualification process. So... If we finished first, we knew pretty much, um, you know, what we know. We know what group and what the likely contenders for that would be because we play second from that group. Yeah. If we finished uh, second, we 
pretty much knew which group and what position. Um, third would have been a little bit more complicated, yeah. um, but certainly in the uh, in the case of finishing first or second, uh, every opportunity we've been watching games that cover those teams. So we already have a reasonable profile of what that would look like. Um, tonight we'll find out. Uh, it could it could from a a perspective of um, points. It could be any one of the four. Uh, any one of the four teams, it's up for grabs. Uh, whoever it will be will represent a challenging fixture for sure. The, the good news is it's at Wembley. Um, we like playing at home. It's uh, the best place to play, so we're happy with that. Uh, I think I'm right in saying an increase of, of support as well, which yeah. um, uh, from you know, 20,000 to 45, something like that. So more than double. You know, the support uh, for the last game in particular against the Czech Republic was terrific and it does lift the players that's for sure so you know when when I'm watching the Danes you know playing in Copenhagen yeah. and, the, and the level of support they've had with a full stadium to be fair it's that that is a different dimension to the even the 20,000 we've had the support you know it, it has been good but to have a full stadium rocking and really driving the team on is um, you know is a, a different dimension altogether so I think it's good to be at home Germany, we know it's been three four three, and uh, that represents a you know a strong tactical challenge. Mm. I watched them play Portugal recently and caused them a lot of problems. So that's uh, one of the alternatives. You know, a really exciting prospect to be to be playing in a you know, high level game against really good quality players. Yeah, and Steve, just final question quickly. Every single England player I've spoken to has spoken about the pride they felt playing at Wembley in this major tournament. So I just wanted to ask you personally uh, how you feel when you're leading the boys out with Gareth playing at Wembley Stadium, your, your sort of personal emotions behind that. It must be very special. I'm not sure what's, what's, what you can do as a coach that's better, you know? Yeah. Um, I was fortunate enough to be part of a, of a huge club, a terrific club that played the best matches in club football, Champions League final won the Premier League World Club Championship final in um, Japan, etc., etc. So all the best clubs, you, all the best games, rather, you could experience in club football. Um, but I have to say, to walk out at, at uh, you know at the the national stadium and uh, you know listen to the national anthem, sing to sing the national anthem, and to be involved, you know, with the team is uh, I don't think it can be surpassed. So. I, I never tire of it. I never take it for granted. I know one day my turn, my time will be over. Um, so it's just a case of, 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 of enjoying those moments the best that you can, making the most of them um, and hoping that, you know, we, we, do, we do well so that we get as many of them as possible, frankly. Um, it's, uh, as, as I say, our record at Wembley um, you know, is excellent. Yeah. Obviously, when you look back, over the last 50 years, we've we've not had huge success in major tournaments. I think that's fair to say, but the ones where we have had some success have, um, you know, have coincided with playing a, f a fair slab of games in the national stadium. Yeah, 66 being the obvious yeah, one, yeah. and Euro '96, you know, being another. I think there's only one other 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 achievement on that kind of level, and that would probably be Italia '90 when we reached the World Cup semi-finals. But of course, all that was in Italy, so. Um, we're, not, we're not every game at home. We, we know that we would go, if, if we were fortunate enough to progress, we would go to Rome in the quarterfinals. I think that, that's, uh, that's been set. So at least one game away. Um, 
but you know a, re- a really good opportunity a great um a, 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 a great bonus i think that is an advantage and um i think it, even better this time than russia in that in russia you could see the connection between the nation and the team as the results evolved yeah but we were in a forest in the middle of nowhere and couldn't really couldn't really attach to that we were basically re- re- relying on you know tv screens yeah uh, and looking at images of supporters on beaches in Brighton or in pubs in Newcastle. <laughs> Throwing know, beers in the air, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we were aware of that. And yeah. um, it, it's it are amazing scenes to think that you can be part of, of helping to deliver something like that. Um, this has been this has been different in that, you know, we're, we're, we can taste it a little bit more. You know, it's more on the doorstep. I don't think it's quite peaked at that level yet. Um, but the first objective is achieved, and I'm quite sure that uh, if we could be successful at Wembley in the round of 16 game against, you know, one of the one of the big nations that we're likely to be playing, um, you know, the whole thing could soon take off very quickly, and uh, you know, the country I'm sure would would go nuts for the for the team and and the the possibility of the team getting further success from that point onwards. So we'll be doing everything possible to try and create that that situation. Steve, it's been absolutely brilliant chatting to you, getting an insight as well. And thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us. And all the best on behalf of the whole nation for the next game. Everyone's behind you. Thank you for your time. Thank you. You're listening to the official England podcast. Well, just like the group stages, that is it. Another episode comes to a close and what a brilliant opportunity that was. Chatting to Gareth's right-hand man, Steve Holland. Full of some great insight for us here on the official England podcast. And as always, it was great to catch up with my mate, Josh Denzel, to fill us in on everything that's been going on at St George's Park. We hope you enjoyed listening. Remember, this is the only podcast where you can get exclusive insight into the England camp. So what are you waiting for? Hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you listen to so you never miss an episode. Over the coming days, we're going to be looking ahead at England's round of 16 clash against Germany at Wembley Stadium. How good does that sound, by the way? And we'll be joined by a host of huge names on our journey. The only thing left to say is, see you tomorrow, stay safe, and come on England.